Governor Pritzker has proposed a 2020 budget that placed an emphasis on educational funding. How that could lead to more MAP grant funding and when students could see it. Go earth what Columbia looks like! This is what Columbia looks like! Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause and I will die for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines. But state government today can only do so much. And without a commitment to reaching firm fiscal ground, we will soon be able to do even less. My highest priorities are stabilizing state government, growing our economy, and protecting working families. For our fiscal and economic health, we must start with a sustained effort to restore and improve our education system. Governor Pritzker proposed his budget for the 2020 fiscal year and included more money for higher education. I've also focused on reversing the damage done to higher education by the budget impasse. College affordability is a paramount investment in near-term economic growth for our state. So I've proposed a 5% increase for public universities and community colleges, as well as an increase in the monetary award program by $50 million to help more than 15,000 more low and moderate income students attend college next year. And I intend to do more every year as we can. I'm also proposing $35 million for the second year costs of the AIM High Merit Scholarship Program for high achieving students so that we can keep our best and brightest here in Illinois. Catherine Savage is a staff reporter at The Chronicle who covered the budget address. So what is the breakdown of his proposed budget for education expansion? Yeah, so he has a couple of things. Uh, one of the smaller scale things that he's doing is he wants to take away the fee for AP testing. So right now to take the AP test, it's $94. So he wants to remove that. And then he has another proposal for early education, which he says is very important to him. And then the last thing that my story kind of focuses on is uh, the MAP grants. So he wants to increase funding for these grants by $50 million. And did you find out why Pritzker included this much funding for education? Um, in his address, he said that he really focuses on education. And one of the things he believes is that it could help the economy, basically, in the long run. And he always like puts a focus on education. And then how has MAP changed over the years? Yeah, so they've definitely gone through some ups and downs. So the person I talked to um, who is part of the company who gives the MAP grants out said that back in 2002, um, any student who was eligible for the MAP grant received funding and the funding uh, covered the whole tuition. And now there is only 43% of applicants um, get the funding. So there's a big chunk of people who are left out and it doesn't cover the whole cost of tuition anymore. So it's kind of gone down as tuition has steadily gone up and the funding for the grant hasn't really matched to that. So. Uh, and then MAPS budget is around $400 million. Is that correct? Yes. So 
um, does this $50 million increase, um, is that significant then in any way? Yeah, so the people I talked to said that they were really excited for it. And in in his speech, Pritzker said that it could allow 15,000 more students to the program. But the person I talked to said that there's a really fine line for this because they try and balance out giving it to more students and also giving students more funding so it covers a little bit more of the tuition. So compare that to 2002 when MAP was actually able to meet the needs of all eligible applicants and it fully covered at the average public university or community college tuition and fees. So, you know, tuition and fees have gone up a lot and MAP grants haven't gone up, you know, in in amount to meet those those high tuition and fees. So did you talk to any students who got the MAP grant? I wasn't able to find any students who had it, but I did talk to someone from the news office who said we had like a little over a thousand students at Columbia who received the grant. Okay. And then I did see that you talked to an alum. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So were, did they receive the MAP grant then? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Okay. And then um, with talking to the office, then did they say there was a difference that the funding made for these students um with like talking for their the tuition yeah it's i mean it helps uh they don't have like the exact amount for each student it kind of varies depending on whether you go to a community college or a private college or a state college so it kind of varies there but um from what you found would you say that map has been effectively helping students yeah, it definitely has been. Uh, it gives a lot of students money off their tuition. And as we know, tuition is extremely expensive, uh, especially depending on where you go. So I think it is helping. Uh, I think there still is a lot to be improved. Like I said before, not everyone is getting fully funded. And the people who are receiving this match grant generally are from the low or moderate income level. So they're, they really need it the most. Um, I think that this is a good step in the right direction. And everyone I talked to said that this was a good starting point, but they still would like a little bit more to be done. And then, so what would you say are the next steps then? I would say, I mean, for one, making sure that this actually gets implemented. It was just proposed right now. So making sure it goes through and figuring out what else they could do, what other programs they could help in trying to match the MAP grants to rising tuition. Um, my next question was going to be when we could start seeing this funding, but since it was just proposed, then it's not for sure, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you said that you weren't able to get um, a student interview with somebody who's, like, had MAP grants. Um, did you try to reach out to students, and if so, like, how many did you reach out to? Um, I was kind of basically like asking around like people at the office or people I knew if they kind of knew anyone and no one really said that they did know anyone who had this. Okay and the people that you talked to did they have a MAP grant before? Um, Actually yeah one said that they did have a MAP grant before but they didn't get it this Uh, year. Okay again again. and did they say did they know why they didn't get the MAP grant? I don't think they did, yeah. Okay, and they just got it for one year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, I have, this is my first semester here at Columbia, and I have a MAP grant, but everybody that I've talked to, I think, I talked to two people in the office who said they had it before, 
Um, but then they said the next semester they didn't receive it. So I was just kind of curious as to like how they determine um, who gets them and why students may not get them for all years. Um, if you know from the people that you've heard, um, how long do people usually have these MAP grants for? I don't know how long they normally have them, but I know that when they're looking at it, they're looking at specifically, it's not like merit-based or anything, so they're not looking at your grades, Um, but they are looking specifically at income, and that is specifically with the FAFSA, like what you plug in with there, calculating it that way. And um, would you say that since students are coming in every year, um, there could be new students that have bigger financial need or problems and would need this kind of grant for more support. Yeah, definitely. It probably fluctuates all the time um, yeah. based on like the income, like I said. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned it before. Did you say how many students at Columbia are given the MAP grant? It was like a little bit over a thousand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the, do you know how long they've had it? I at- do not know. It just said for the 2017-2018 school year. Okay. Yeah. So, um, did you say how many students you tried to reach out to? Uh, I was basically just kind of asking around to see if anyone knew anyone. I wasn't, like, asking random people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And did this kind of, like, put, um, not a thought, but, like, did this kind of, like, change your mind about the whole idea of the MAP grant since you tried to reach out to so many students and nobody really knew anyone or no one you talked to had it like how do you think this kind of applies yeah I know a few times when I brought up map grants people thought that it was only uh like it wasn't private colleges so people a lot of people didn't think Columbia would apply Mm -hmm. until I found out on the one website that there's a list where you could see all the schools in Illinois that like accept the map grants and we were one of them so I think like a lot of people either don't know that it applies to their school or we might not be one of the like primary primarily ones that gets it mm-hmm. but. and I don't know if you mentioned this either but do people um apply for MAP grants or do they just receive them from like financial need yeah so you have to apply but like I said before it's not looking at like your testing or anything so I'm not 100%, but I, I know you definitely go through your FAFSA, so they look at it that way. Okay. Yeah, I received it, and I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember, like, applying for it. Yeah. And when I saw it come up, um, I didn't even know what a MAP grant was, so it's funny I didn't even look into it until you had your story, and now I actually know yeah. <laughs> what it is. I was just looking at my financial aid because I was curious because I know that I got, like, a few scholarships and stuff, and one of the things that came up, like, under the financial aid was, like, uh, it said MAP grants, and I didn't get it, but it was, like, one of the options that you could click, and then it gave, like, more information on it, so mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm just curious, does MAP stand for anything? Yes, it is Monetary Award program oh okay good to know and then i also had another question um in what ways um if you do have any ideas do you think that this could help the overall economy i know that one of the services that i talked to brought up a really good point that i hadn't thought about before is when you have less student loans then when you go into the workforce you have more money if you're not paying off loans to put back into the economy so i thought that made a lot of sense and that was looking at it more beyond just like the 
person by person. Like, yeah, it helps an individual, but it could also really, like, with the trickle-down, help communities. And then for people who may not know, could you kind of give the difference between a grant and a loan? So this is a MAP grant. So how does that differ from if they re- if they receive, like, a loan from the yeah. school? Yeah, so since it is a grant, you don't have to repay it. So if it was a loan, you would have to eventually repay that. But this is pretty much just, like, giving it to you for free. And also, does the amount that a student gets from the MAP grant, does that also differ? Like, nobody usually has, like, the same? Yeah, it differs. They One statistic they did say was that about a third of the tuition was covered if you go to a public college, and two-thirds of the tuition was covered if you go to a community college. That's all for this story, but stay tuned for more. The 2020 presidential election is over a year away, and a large pool of candidates are already preparing for the campaign trail. Staff reporter Alexandra Yetter wrote a cheat sheet on the candidates who are officially in the running. How many candidates are running for president? More than a dozen, actually. And how many of them are Democrats, and how many of them are Republicans? About 13 are Democrats, and two, including Donald Trump, are Republicans. So what are some controversial topics or issues that these candidates have touched base on? Controversial issues definitely definitely include gun control, because a lot of the Democratic candidates believe in gun control, but they differ on how um, stark it should be compared to each other's. Mm -hmm. So what are some comments or remarks that some of these candidates may be making? Almost, I'd say pretty much all of the Democratic um, nominees are pro-choice and pro-gun reform and um, want to increase climate change policies. What are some of the policies that they're trying to implement if they become president? Well, for example, Amy Klobuchar, I think you say her name, um, she wants to... Uh, lower the amount of greenhouse emissions, and she also wants to have government development of renewable energy. And um, Kamala Harris uh, also wants to advocate for climate change prevention. And John Delaney also wants to reduce those greenhouse gas emissions. Now, candidates every election, no matter what they're running for, always make these promises. Are any of these candidates backing up their promises thus far? We're not going to see so far if they're going to back them up. We'll definitely have to feel out who seems the most committed to fulfilling those promises if they're elected. But a lot of them are going to have to back up their ideas with, with actual plans in order to win that Democratic nomination. Now, is there anything specific that people need to back up? I would definitely say specifically for Democrats, they need to say exactly what they're going to reverse that President Donald Trump has done. For example, the Paris Climate Agreement, they could reinstate that. Mm -hmm. Now, who are some of the more popular Democrats that want to go against Donald Trump? Popular ones definitely include Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders is running again after uh, the last election, and I would say Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. And what about them makes them popular? 
They're all, well, excluding Bernie, Han- Bernie Sanders, they're all relatively young compared to other politicians. And they're also minorities, and a lot of them are women, which I think is interesting that we saw a lot of women running in midterms. And we're seeing a lot of women running in the Chicago mayoral elections, and now we're seeing a lot of women running in the presidential election. So that theme is just kind of carrying through throughout the elections. Mm -hmm. And I understand that you also wrote down some fun facts about these candidates. What are some interesting fun facts that you wrote? A few of them are Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. She loves to surf. She would also be the first practicing Hindu representative in the U.S. Congress right now. Um, And then Marianne Williamson, who is actually an inspirational speaker, not a politician. She officiated Elizabeth Taylor's final wedding. And Republican... Uh, nominee William Weld is a huge Grateful Dead fan, which I thought was funny. Of these candidates, are there any? Is there anybody specific that already has a large following? Bernie Sanders is definitely going to have one of the biggest followings because he was so popular among millennials last r- time around. Um, but the people with the biggest followings right now are going to be the people with the biggest campaign funds. So that's going to be people like Amy Klobuchar, I'm probably butchering that, Elizabeth Warren, and again Kamala Harris, because they're already prominent names and they've been running for so long already. Mm-hmm. What's another fun fact? <clears throat> so Amy actually got one of her ex-boyfriends to donate $17,000 to her campaign, which is kind of a girl boss move in my opinion. What? How? I have no idea. It was just something I stumbled upon when I was researching her. Well, go her. (laughs) Now that's a woman. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Alexandra. Yeah, thanks for having me. President Trump's once loyal attorney, Michael Cohen, gave a public testimony on February 27th, stating that Trump was a racist, liar, and a cheat. He said that Trump told him to implicitly lie about the Moscow real estate project. Cohen pleaded guilty to lying to Congress about the project back in 2017, and he said that Trump did not directly tell him to lie, but that he would look him in the eye and tell him that there was no business in Russia and then go out and lie to the American people by saying the same thing. Cohen went on to apologize for his actions and said that he is ashamed that he chose to take part in the concealing of Mr. Trump's of Mr. Trump's illicit acts rather than listening to his own conscience. Cohen said Trump knew about the release of the hacked Democratic National Committee emails ahead of time, and he said that Trump made racist comments about African Americans while driving through a struggling neighborhood in Chicago. Cohen will begin a three-year prison sentence in May after he pleaded guilty to lying to the Congress in 2017. Cohen said he appreciated the opportunity he appreciated the opportunity to clear the record and tell the truth. President Trump has denied all of these allegations and said that Cohen has lied just to get a lighter sentence. The House passed a bill to stop President Trump's border wall with a 245 to 182 vote. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi did not receive the number of votes she wanted, with only a mere 13 Republicans voting in favor of stopping the state of emergency. 
Vice President Mike Pence and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell would not say whether they believe the Senate will pass the bill or not. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all these stories and more in our print edition available on campus, on our website ColumbiaChronicle.com, and our additional coverage on social media. We are at CC Chronicle on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and The Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible with the collaboration of the staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX, Chicago's Underground, under the leadership of the chair of the Communication Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride. We'll see you all next week.